Hi everyone, this is Iris from the Hong Kong chapter. This month, we have created a list on the sharing economy. Talking about the topic, I have been working in a co-working space since 2015. When I told people where I work, they found it really cool and exciting, and they thought I am meeting some of the best entrepreneurs every day. Is it really the case? Well, maybe on some days I am, but definitely not every single day. Thinking about this and hearing some of the really cool and exciting and sometimes horrible experiences our members had when they share a car or an accommodation with other people, I thought maybe we could create a list on the sharing economy, and this is how the topic was chosen. Hey PBC, we're so glad we just got to hear from the hosts of our Hong Kong chapter who put together this month's podcast listening list for us on the sharing economy. You can find that playlist at podcastbrunchclub.com slash sharing dash economy. I'm here with Sarah DeSilva, my co-host on the podcast and founder of Audible Feast. Hey, Sarah. Hey. So the sharing economy, you listen to the podcast. What did you think? First of all, I am not really a consumer of the sharing economy. That was my first thought was... Mm. Um, you don't use Uber. You don't do Airbnb. No, I've never oh. done Uber. I've never taken a Lyft. I've never rented a B Airbnb. We have looked at Airbnbs before and gone down this path of like dreaming about like, oh, this would be so cool. And I don't know what it is that stops us about it. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know. I felt a little bit like the guy on the Travelogue podcast who um, was kind of like, I want a hotel where I know that someone's going to clean up after me. And right. um, yeah, I don't know. It, it might be a little bit of that. Yeah. And as far as like an Uber or a Lyft, there's a little bit of a fear factor for me. Huh. I think if I just did it, it would be fine, you know, but yeah, and I've taken taxis, obviously, in my life. So mm -hmm. what's different about it? Nothing. Right. If anything, you're going to get probably friendlier, nicer people <laughs> that are your Uber or Lyft driver. But I don't know, just like I was kind of like out of my element listening to these episodes, but it was really good because then I got to learn a lot about aspects of the sharing economy. That was really interesting. Yeah, I am a consumer. I mm -hmm. use Uber. I use Lyft. I try to use Lyft more than Uber because of Uber. And I love Airbnb. But the thing about it for me that I love is... I like the fact that it feels efficient to me. Like mm -hmm. there are so many cars just sitting there doing nothing. Like why not put it to work? And there's so much yep. space in people's homes that are sitting there doing nothing. Why not put it to work? And so like that efficiency to me is like really appealing. You know, they talk about this when they talk about autonomous vehicles too, about how many sleeping cars there are. Like I think at any given time, there's only 10% of the fleet of vehicles that exist in the world that are actually being driven, which means mm. there's an inefficiency there. And maybe we don't need, need as many cars and maybe mm -hmm. we don't need as many spaces. Like maybe we don't need hotels that are 50% vacant at any given time when somebody has an extra bedroom in their house that they're willing to rent out. So there's like yeah. that. To me, like I think I might be a little bit of a communist at heart, but... <laughs> There's that <laughs> there's that side of it that I just I like the I just don't like waste. And yeah, the sharing economy to me takes things that are not being used or being underused and puts them to work. I've always said, you know, why does every single person on the block need a lawnmower? 
we're not all mowing our lawns at the same time. Why not have yeah. one lawnmower and share it? Or yeah. a snowblower. I mean, snowblower is different maybe because everybody might be actually trying to shovel at the same time. But I don't know, a leaf blower or a saw. I just think that every single person having one is just wasteful. And it sort of reminded me a little bit about the last playlist, the ocean conservation playlist, about how much plastic waste we have in the world. And why are we continuing to manufacture things that are completely indestructible when they are also disposable? You know, I, I, I totally understand that. Uh, and I think I would desire to be a part of the true sharing economy more than I would facilitate the people who run Uber and Lyft, et cetera, at, right. to make money. Like the woman who was interviewed on the Impact Boom episode, I felt like what she was talking about was really awesome. And I guess that's a little more of the, on, down the communist path. Like, right. <laughs> like you said was like, you know, if I am not going to use it, Take it down to something it's so simple as, you know, I have 10 seeds in my seed pack and I don't really need to have 10 seeds. I can give three of them to someone who does need them. I don't need mm -hmm. to overgrow tomatoes and then um, put them in compost. And then, yeah. you know, like, what's the point when somebody could eat them? So I totally get that. I think that's, well, I think it's a little bit altruistic, I guess, but yeah. it it involves a lot of trusting and um, being good neighbors to your people mm -hmm. that are in your community. Right. It takes a village. And I don't have as much of an issue with people trying to make money off of the things that they've purchased that, you know what I mean? Like, I I don't know, if I spent $25,000 on a car and I'm going to use that car to give people rides around the town, I think you're putting the things that you have to work for you makes a lot of sense, you know, yeah. financially make it work for you. The things that I would throw away and then I'm going to try, you know, that's different, right? Like if I'm going to throw mm -hmm. away my my tomatoes and put them in compost, which is essentially right, throwing them away, then yeah, of course, okay, give them away. But if it's something that with more use, right, then it depreciates like a car. As you drive mm -hmm. it more, the miles go up and the maintenance goes up and the gas goes up. Then obviously, like you have to recoup your costs and you have to recoup your time and there's you know, why do we have a taxi out there if there's a car just sitting in somebody's driveway? You know, yeah. so again, it just, it go, for me, it comes to the efficiency of it and like how much stuff we have. Oh yeah, we're super spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have multiple cars and driveways just sitting there doing nothing, you know? Yeah. I'd be happy well, to rent out my car to somebody if they wanted yeah, to use it. I don't know. I, I think I really was, you know, I spent quite a long time talking to Andrew about the Theory of Everything episode where he kind of, you know, hired yeah. himself out to all these different sharing economy services. Right. And, you know, he just felt so strongly that <laughs> the majority of the employees are treated so poorly. Well, they're not even considered employees, right? I mean, they're like contract workers, I guess. So. Right. I don't know. That really has stuck with me too. That um, he basically said, "I don't. I don't think that most of the people that are doing those jobs want to be doing them. They're doing them out of necessity, and in and a lot of times, people that do a job out of necessity don't get treated very well." Right. 
So I don't know. I just the whole like corporate component of it, yeah. especially on the ride sharing piece of it, makes mm. made me feel very like icky thinking yeah. about it as I was listening to that episode and as I was talking to Andrew because he was just so like adamant that you know <laughs> this is like evil empire <laughs> type yeah. of um, right economy. It was interesting. For sure. And I think I think my love for it is theoretical, right? Like I the, I love the theory of it. Yeah. I don't necessarily love the way it's implemented or the practical nature of it because I do think that people are getting taken advantage of, but at the same time, it is nice to know that if god forbid I lose my job, I can drive an Uber if I want to without going through too many yeah. jumping through too many hoops and having that as an option. Right. I don't know. Like, again, I love it in theory and I do take advantage of it. I do use Uber Mm -hmm. and I do use Airbnb. I mean, I will not book a hotel before I look at Airbnb Hmm. first. And I think they talked about it on the Travelogue podcast a little bit about, yeah, about like, why are you using Airbnb? Like, do you like the idea of staying in somebody's home or is it that it's the budget option? Right. For me, it's mainly the budget option. Like, I think if all things are equal, I would probably choose a hotel. But it also depends on like what where I'm going and what I plan to do and how long I plan to stay. If it's just a couple mm-hmm. of nights, yeah, like a hotel is fine. But like if I'm going to be there for a while, I might want a kitchen. And um, I am one of those people who automatically filters for, you know, private spaces. But I mm-hmm. have in the past when I went to Europe a couple of years ago, I have stayed in somebody's room and it was a little weird. But, you know, whatever. Again, yeah. like I just I love the idea in theory that like there is an empty room in somebody's house and they are putting it to good use by giving it to me so I can sleep in it because that's really all I plan to do. I'm in Turin, right. Italy. I am not going to be hanging out in a hotel. Why should I spend through the nose on a hotel when I'm in a place that I want to explore? I don't want to explore the hotel. I want to explore like the place. Like the pl- the hotel is just somewhere I'm putting my head down and sleeping for the night. Yeah. <laughs> So we asked the community a couple of questions about the theme. And the question was, what are the benefits of the sharing economy? And is sharing a sustainable idea? I'm really curious, you know, to hear from people around the world. I'm not, I don't know. I feel like, and this is possible that this is where I live. I live in the Houston area. We have like almost zip public transportation. So like, I think the concept of being efficient, et cetera, is not at top of mind here in general for most people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm just feeling that way because of the, the product of the environment that I'm in right now. But I think that it would be good for humanity <laughs> to yeah. um, waste less and share more and and to be comfortable, be in another person's home. And that right. just sounds better to me than what we're doing now. Yeah. And I think sharing is, you know, you can use it in a lot of different ways, like we heard on the podcast, right? Like, so there's Airbnb and Lyft and Uber and all those kind of big, big names. But then there's this social enterprise idea that Helen was talking about an impact boom with the spare harvest where that's sharing, right? Like you're sharing gardening tools or you're sharing seeds or you're sharing crops of some sort. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I feel like technology for the most part has made us so much more insular, you know, like, why would you ever leave home? And we're hiding behind our tech, you know, we're hiding behind our technology. And we're not actually participating in community. 
So I love the idea that this could be like almost like a tech solution to that problem, like or at least an impetus. Like I have something you need, you know, and then we're in the same space so we can actually have a conversation because you know how Mm -hmm. I feel about that. (laughs) Like actual face to face conversations are really important. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's hear what others from the community thought. Hi, this is Steve from the Minneapolis Podcast Brunch Club. I think the benefits of a sharing economy are things like lower overhead as a whole. It makes everything just cheaper. I can rent an Airbnb that's half the price of a hotel room, and I can get a ride from a rideshare like Lyft or Uber for half the cost of a taxi. Not to mention I'm concerned with environmental sustainability, so things like hotels are very wasteful just in general. You know, all those little soaps, all the laundry they do, etc. Rideshares encourage carpooling. In terms of if the sharing economy is sustainable, I think all the reasons I listed before make it pretty sustainable on the surface. However, I really think it comes down to whether or not things like rideshares offer a living wage to its employees. Ultimately, if people are compensated fairly, then I think parts of the sharing economy are very sustainable. Hi everyone, this is Iris from the Hong Kong chapter. For me, sharing is a key part of my life, from sharing an apple with my friend to sharing services with strangers. There are some benefits of a sharing economy, from saving money to meeting new friends to making it easier for people to start their business. Although this seems like a good idea, today's legal systems in many countries don't really support it. Uber, for example, is considered illegal in places like Hong Kong. Is it time for lawmakers to take some actions, or should we actually stop sharing? I would love to hear your ideas. So it was great to hear from everybody. Now let's take a quick break to hear about a new podcast on the scene. Earlier this year, the National Trust launched Women in Power, a five-part podcast series which delves into the rarely told stories of women's voting rights in the UK. The story of female votes in the UK tends to center on the actions of the militant suffragettes of the UK's capital city, but this is just a fraction of the story. The full story of the suffrage movement involved women and men from all classes and from across the British Isles playing their part in the fight for equality in a multitude of ways. Women in Power goes back more than 300 years to the events that would eventually see the first wave of female suffrage activists rising to prominence, and votes for women becoming the topic at the forefront of 20th century British politics. In this series, you'll learn about the thousands of women that campaigned, marched, and fought for their rights, the women that took to the streets intent on damaging property, committing arson, and even disrupting the Postal Service with homemade bombs, alongside the lesser-known stories of women who strived for change through a mantra of peace and unity. Women in Power is available to download in full from all the places you currently get great audio, to find out more, go to nationaltrust.org.uk slash suffrage podcast. Okay, welcome back to our two-woman online podcast brunch club meeting, because sometimes that's all you need to have a conversation. Actually, sometimes I go to brunch all by myself, but that's another story. Oh. <laughs> I don't mind at all. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. 
We say this every month since this is basically how every single podcast brunch club meeting in real life ever goes. We're going to diverge and talk about what else we've been listening to. And this month, since a big name in podcasting is back, we are going to talk a little bit about Serial. So Adela, have you listened to the, I think, three episodes that have been out so far? I've listened to two and a half. I don't think I've okay. finished three, <laughs> but I'm intrigued. It's definitely different. Yeah. So if you haven't listened yet or you didn't hear what this season was going to be about, because last season of Serial was vastly different from the first season. Mm-hmm. The first season was about Adnan Syed and his conviction for murder and investigation into that incident that happened. And then the second season was about Bo Bergdahl. Mm-hmm. Now the third season, the serial team spending a whole bunch of time, I think they spent a year in Cleveland right. in the court system, going back and forth between different cases, talking to people, just really getting an inside look of how the court system works. And they picked Cleveland, I don't think for any specific reason, just to pick a city where they thought they could get a good cross section of stories. And I think it's been awesome so far. I've been really excited it's back and that they've taken on something totally different yet again. Yeah, I mean, I feel like some people might be disappointed because it's not taking one case. <laughs> And yep. like digging, you know, digging deep and going into all the weeds and and all that, which is what, you know, really put them on the map in the first season. I mean, I think they are digging deep, but they're looking more broadly at the criminal justice system and, you know, specifically in Cleveland. But I think they're kind of using Cleveland as a case study on the justice system in the United States in general. And yeah, I mean, it's really good. They're doing some really interesting interviews. And I mean, talking to some judges that I am just like appalled by. I, yeah. the, one, the one judge, I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, you know, hit fast forward if you don't want to hear. But God, the one judge, what's his name? Judge Ball or Gall or something. Galls, yeah. Yeah. He is insane. I mean, the things that he <laughs> says to these people, like like talking about their baby daddy and asking mm-hmm. them how many kids they have and whether each one has the same father and like things that just are incredibly racist and yep. just like right there for everybody to, I don't know it's not even it's not thinly veiled it's not veiled at all but god yeah it's it's like jaw dropping a little bit to hear yeah. some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth yeah i was writing i i actually i really enjoyed the first episode also which was about a woman who was arrested for basically she got really drunk in a bar and mm-hmm. she well I don't who knows what actually happened, but she she got arrested for assault for assaulting a police officer, a police officer. Correct. And it seemed like it was I mean, not that the police officer provoked her, but like the events leading up to that part of it was she was being harassed by men right in a major way right so yeah yeah and then just the whole like discussion that they allegedly had with her that you know oh don't worry this is not going to turn into anything but because you hit me i have to take you in i have to arrest you for this but you know i'm not going to press charges or anything Mm -hmm. and then how it turned into this like saga of you know she has to pay court fees she had Mm -hmm. to um you know it's just like 
what what I wrote about it on my website was like it doesn't surprise me, but it may it it hasn't made me lose all faith in the justice system yet. Mm-hmm. But it's like pretty bad. Like it's pretty terrible. And it, I think right away at my I started thinking about how like if you have money, you can fight these things, and if you don't have money, you can't. Like right. if you have if you have money to f- f- hire somebody to fight it for you, to fight all of these little things that came up in each of these things that they've talked about. If you had a lawyer that, you know, could that you paid, then mm-hmm. you could probably fight a lot of these things because they're ridiculous. But everybody's just like, nope, this is just how the system works. Like you just have to deal with it. It's terrible. Yeah. I don't know. I think I am losing a little bit of faith and not a little <laughs> bit, a lot of faith, but not just from cereal, just from everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, it's not a good time in this country right no. now. No. And um and speaking of your website, I know you wrote yeah. a little bit about that, but you also put out best of September list. So tell yes. me about that. What's on it? Yeah. So one of my favorite shows that I want to talk about that is an oldie but a goodie for me, but I've really been enjoying it lately is The Illusionist. And I wrote this show up as I reviewed it back when I first started my website back like in 2015, I think. And it was one of the, so it was one of the first podcasts I ever started listening to. So the show is about language it's about words it's about sometimes it's about etymology like what a word is about sometimes it's like about people there's one of my favorite episodes is about people playing word games and stuff i don't know it's just really light usually and very like educational but light and often silly and the host is helen zaltzman and she is basically like i want to be her best friend and she already knows this um I have already professed my best friend. Yeah. I have totally already professed this to her many, many, many times. And I don't know, lately it's just been really good. And I just really been enjoying them a lot. There was one about people with unique names and how they always get questions about their names. And they're Mm -hmm. like, it's just my name. Like I didn't ask for it. Like (laughs) I, did you think I chose to be called princess or whatever? Like (laughs) that doesn't mean I'm a princess or I think I'm a princess. Like that's just my name. So it was so good. And then there was one um, from this week that was about a woman who wrote a story. I don't think she's ever published the story. She, she's only publishing the story one word at a time and it's being tattooed on people's skin. And it Wait, is what? like it's being yes. what she, at one word at a time the story is being tattooed onto people's skin one word at a time you can't have more than one word and if there's punctuation it you can choose whether you want it want it to go with the word or not i believe um you have to fill out an application if you want to be part of the project and only the people that are in the project get to know the whole story so oh my god that is crazy really fascinating yeah wow. super cool so this is a total pod crush on Helen Zaltzman and the illusionist lately. Love it. Yeah. I have I am so glad you brought this up because we're actually recording this in late September, but next weekend in about eight days, nine days, we're having our podcast brunch club meeting in Chicago. And I switched it to the beginning of October instead of the end of September 
because of Helen Zaltzman and because she will be attending in Chicago the Third Coast Festival, which is a big kind of storytelling, the art of storytelling, the art of podcasting conference here in Chicago. And she's coming and she has said that she will come to the Podcast Brunch Club meeting in Chicago. So I'm so jealous. I am so excited. Yeah, she's great. I've met her before. She's lovely. She is like really the one of the, she's the best she's really a very sweet woman and she's funny and humble and like I think she knows that everybody wants to be her best friend and she's totally willing <laughs> to be their best friend but she she's also coming here because she has a live show in Chicago awesome. so I'm gonna do a little promotion for her try and get some of the the group here to to go out to her show and awesome. I can't wait to see her and also it's just really exciting for me because um because like we might have a couple of other guests, like our, our um, chapter leader from New York City is also going to be at that conference. So she might come and, and meet us up oh, with us. Oh, and so, um, so it'll be fun. It's just that it's ugh, the Chicago Marathon oh, is on awesome. that day. So I'm hoping like awesome. that doesn't hose everything up. But I'm trying to prepare people to plan for the marathon. Oh, and, yeah, of you know, course. Get around. It. Always something yeah. like that. Yeah. But I'm super excited. So I will. I'm terrible, terrible about remembering to take pictures, even though I beg everybody else to take pictures. <laughs> but like, I should set up a reminder on my phone because I can't yeah. let this one slip by. Awesome. Well, definitely check out The Illusionist if you guys have not heard it before. They're such a quick listen. Oh, and my favorite part, too, is that at the end of every, epi- every episode, she is picks a word out of the dictionary like literally she opens up the dictionary and picks a word out <laughs> and gives a de- definition it's just like so like so small and so like simple. you know yeah. it's just great you know yeah and we should mention that it's the illusionist the allusionist yes with an a yes a l l u s the allusionist yes and that is part of radiotopia yes great 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 show absolutely all right, great. Well, I can't wait to hear more about your actual in-person real-life meeting with hey. the Helen Zaltzman. So exciting. The Helen Zaltzman. Um, so exciting. So thank you guys for joining us this month. We will be coming to your feed soon with more interviews with the creators of these shows. Get in touch with us anytime through the Podcast Brunch Club or Audible Feast websites. Happy listening. Hey everyone, this is Steve. I'm the leader of the Minneapolis chapter of the Podcast Brunch Club, and I'm here with some info about the people who help make this show. First, we'd really like you to rate and review the PBC podcast on your podcast player of choice. It's really helpful. The music you heard this month was from a really cool website I just discovered that offers public domain classical music recordings. The site is musopen.org, and the two artists you heard today were Marcus Staub and Tariq Harb. The music you heard during our ad was from Mizael Ghana. Podcast Brunch Club is organized by the one and only Adela. Adela's co-host on the podcast is Sarah De Silva, the leader of the Houston chapter of PBC and founder of Audible Feast. Lastly, audio editing is done by me, Steven Zampanti. You can connect with me on my website, conceptualpodcasting.com. Thanks, and happy listening. <laughs> <laughs>